over the next couple weeks on Bingers Assemble, we're going to be reposting our X-Men content. The Fox X-Men verse we started way back last year has now, uh, finally, we're going to get the actual New Mutants this month. So we're going to repost them in order so they're here in the feed if anybody wants to catch up. Enjoy! This time on Bingers Assemble, Bingers Matt, Carol, and Jeff Randall team up to take on X-Men Days of Future Past. In the run-up to the New Mutants. All that right after this. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Bingers Assemble, the podcast where we rewatch movies so you don't have to. My name's Matthew Carroll. And I'm Jeff Randall. Jeff Randall, are you ready to dive into Days of Future Past? I am so ready for this movie, man. Let's do this. All right, let's do it. Two minutes on the timer. It's my turn to take the shot. This will be my two-minute attempt to describe the plot of this movie. And go. God. Uh, It begins in the distant future, or the not-so-distant future, I guess I should say, and the X-Men are getting their butts handed to them. Uh, A bunch of future X-Men, they work together in cool ways, but then it's revealed uh, that right before they die, they send Bishop just a short jaunt back in time a few days so that he can warn them of the coming uh, of the bad guys. And that, that kind of introduces the mechanism uh, that they're going to use. Kitty pride sends Wolverine back in time to stop Raven, who is the character from the first uh, class movie, uh, who is mystique stop Raven from being captured and experimented on because she is the basis for the uh, villainous sentinels that they're using in the future that are killing all the X-Men and not only the X-Men, but all the humans as well. Uh, But the only way they can do it, the only way they think they can bring Raven in is to get Professor X and Magneto when they are at their most distant, their least friendly, bring them together. Uh, Professor X is an angry, angry man because he has recently lost the use of his legs, but he's taking drugs to stimulate the use of his legs at the expense of his powers. And Magneto is always an angry, angry man, and they are at odds in a, in a very distant way. Uh, and so Wolverine fights to bring them together, and then they do some uh, hinky time stuff so that young Professor X can talk to old Professor X, which really annoyed me because like, I wish I'd seen the character grow instead of just having his old self tell his young self. Anyway, I'm getting hung up. Uh, so they, <laughs> so they, 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 they try to stop Raven from being captured and, and or experimented on. Uh, but in the end, uh, Magneto kind of goes rogue on the whole plan and tries to just kill all the humans or at least threaten all the humans, especially the president and his people. And then Raven has the final choice and she decides to let the humans live. Boom. Wow. That was a pretty comprehensive shot. Thank you. Thank you. It felt really good. Landed just on time. Like I forgot to turn my timer off. So right as I said, boom, the timer went off. It felt nice. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I forgot to to turn the actual like alarm off. So 
Come at, come at me, bro. What you got? What's your, what's your uh, chaser? All right, 60 seconds starting now. Okay, so the, the major thing to take into account that you may have missed is that all of this uh, past stuff, the, the days of past, if you will, uh, were all in 1973. Uh, this was right after, right at the end of, or yeah, right toward the end of uh, the Vietnam War era, when not a lot of people had a lot of faith in the U.S., uh, and there were, uh, there were, major world events happening uh, that the X-Men were showing up at again. Uh, but this one was a, a bit more tenuous when, you know, a lot more people were at a, a lot of other people's throats uh, in the world. So that tension in humanity also bred tension with the mutants and, um, you know, having the the young men be drafted is part of what led Professor X down his, his dark path, uh, getting addicted to his being able to walk drug and leaving out all of the voices because he probably heard literally everyone dying. Mm. And everyone just freaking out, you know, that's, that's good. That's a good, uh, that was a good one. All right, let's dive right into mixers then. So that's the basic plot and the structure of the movie. Uh, and and I, I feel like we'd be remiss if, well, I'll go ahead and say we're in mixers now. Uh, and the biggest thing I think that this movie does really is it brings together the two major casts and plot lines that we've been having throughout these movies. So we had the uh, first three X-Men movies, uh, including the Wolverine, the two Wolverine movies. So that's five movies that kind of happened in that sort of timeline. And then they jump back and had first class. Well, this movie, it almost felt like they wanted to to combine the two stories they cared about, which is all they've seemed to care about, which is Wolverine's story and Professor X and Magneto's story. And they combined those two major plot lines into one and had them uh, experience all this stuff in the 70s, which I really enjoyed. Like, it's a lot of fun. Wolverine going back in time and like the funky music as he's just strolling down the street uh, and dealing with mobsters. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of lamp that he wakes up to. (laughs) He wakes up to a lot of lamp. It's just so like perfectly 70s. You know, it's really, really great. It made me want a lava lamp again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but <laughs> I, I kind of used a little bit of mixer time. Let's get to these characters. There's a ton of characters, which most of, I think, we're basically going to skip because basically all of the X-Men from the last, the first three movies are in the beginning and also in sort of cut scenes at the end where they're having fights with these crazy super sentinels at the end, at the end of the world, at the end of time. Like the apocalypse has happened, not... Not apocalypse. That's in the post-credit sequence. Um, <laughs> that's, I was, I was that's at, the next non-Wolverine movie. Yes. Which, oh man, oh man. <laughs> that, look forward to that in a future episode. Oh yes. That's. Uh, I don't want to get bogged down, but that's my least favorite of all of these, and I am including <laughs> Last Stand. Um, okay. So there's. Uh, Bobby Drake is back. Kitty Pride is back. Bishop is there, who we've never met before. Uh, Colossus, Blink, is Sunspot, back. Warpath, Storm. Uh, they're all in the future fighting uh, these Super Sentinels. And it's really, really great, great fight sequence stuff, but really almost nothing that bears anything on the plot happens with them, except for Kitty Pride sending Wolverine back in time. Yeah, Kitty Pride developed a new power just for this movie. It was kind of weird. So that's nothing from comics, the Kitty Pride being able to send people back in time thing. <laughs> not, not as far as I know. Okay. Yeah, I was not sure. I don't know. I haven't read much Kitty Pride. So, yeah. So that was weird. 
there with no uh, there was nothing going on there. So, okay, Wolverine. A big thing for Wolverine in this movie is that he goes to the Ark at the very beginning. Charles. Old man Charles, played by Patrick Stewart, tells him, you're going to have to do for me what I did for you. You're going to have to lead me through my hard time. Guide me. And this is this is why, the only thing that I really don't like about this movie. I like most of this movie, but the, there's two major things that happen in this movie. Is Wolverine is supposed to become the leader for his leader. You know what I mean? That's the whole point. Yeah. But then when it comes time for him to do that, he says, I can't do that. And he sends Professor X through his body to the future to meet his future self <laughs> and then his future self. So there's like two ways this could have gone. I would have really liked it is if Wolverine actually become, became the sage leader he needed to become. Yeah. Or if professor X, like we could see professor X actually have character development and learn something that made him forgive Magneto and, and start working toward a hopeful future again. But instead they just did time travel things and had him talk to old Charles, which was a beautiful scene, but it kind of felt like a cheat. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was a character cheat. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that it was a character cheat because they were running out of screen time. Possibly, but I don't think that I think it was a character cheat because they thought, how cool would it be if we had both Charles's on screen together? Like, it'd be really neat to ha- let them talk. And it was. It was really neat. It was really cool. But I, I felt a little robbed because the char- these characters that I'm supposed to be seeing mature and change, I never really saw them mature and change. <laughs> yeah. They don't really grow. They don't. They, at least not naturally. They have this weird sort of supernatural thing that interrupts everything. Almost like uh, mutation. <laughs> it's, uh, that's natural. You know? <laughs> Or, or it's a result of nuclear bombs, according to the one movie in the series. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Stop. <laughs> well, the one character in the movie in the series. Um, so that's kind of Charles's arc. He sends, he's, 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 he sends Wolverine back and then interrupts Wolverine from doing the thing he sent him to do back and does it himself, which I, yeah, whatever. Um, well, I think it's, it's mostly that Wolverine says, you know, um, here's what I'm sent to do, but I can't seem to do it. You look into my head now so that you can see the things that you need to see so that we can move on. Yeah. Like, we got to get past all this. Yeah. Now, the one thing that is kind of neat about this whole thing is Wolverine's the only one who remembers the other timeline, and he gets to go back to the future. Uh, my favorite. That's a different movie. My favorite movie. And uh, <laughs> one of, top five, top five. Um, he gets to go back to the future. And see that because of the advice he gave to Charles, the X-Men actually did make it, including Jean Grey and Scott, who died in like the second movie? Third Third movie. movie. Yeah, the one we all hate. Well, Jean died, quote unquote, in the second movie and actually died in the third movie. Right. And so that was neat that he kind of got this sort of almost heaven ending. You know what I mean? Yeah. For for that that run of the character. Now, Logan, that gets a little darker, but we'll get there. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. So that was all neat. I like I liked that for him. What do you, what do you think of Beast in this movie? You know, honestly, God, it was it was really disappointing because we had so much from Hank in uh, in first class. He got to be the science guy, and now he was literally just standing there the whole movie until you know something needed to get punched or. You know, if it's like, oh, it, we got a little bit of time in the budget for some beast action. You want to you want to beast out? And then he like hulked out, basically. Yeah. And he had zero anything character wise happening 
for him. Mm. Yeah, it, it felt like he was just a servant of Charles, which you'd think he would, especially after he worked so hard to get rid of his powers or at least his physical manifestations of his powers. And then it backfired. You'd think he'd have some advice for Charles, but instead he just does Charles's bidding. And it makes him feel sort of ineffective in this movie. Yeah, he was he was basically relegated to being Alfred. Yeah. I feel like there's definitely a lot of, so there's, there's various bad mutants in this or whatever brotherhood mutants, uh, that we don't really get to know very well, but there's two important sort of darker mutant characters and that's Eric, a young Eric and a young mystique. And I think that's, they're, they're, they're kind of the heart of the evil side of this movie. Um, mystique is still basically having to choose between Eric and Charles. And I think some of Eric's actions in this movie, very much like what he did to her in last stand, as soon as he thinks it's better for mutant kind, he abandons her as a character. He has no love for her. Uh, Charles loves her. Eric, uh, just is, sees her as a means to an end and sees her as a part of his mutant mission, but doesn't really care for her. And as soon as it, he thinks it's better to kill her, he actually tries to kill her, um, yep. which is super Oof. awful. And the way that he drags her across the uh, ground, uh, like by the bullet that's oh, in her leg. Yeah, that was awful. Oh God. The, the amount of pain that that caused me mm-hmm. was unbearable. Yeah. He, she jumps out a window in mystique fashion and tries to land and, uh, Magneto sends a bullet out the window and curves it so that it strikes her. Um, and speaking of strikes her, uh, William Stryker, a young William Stryker is back. Uh, <laughs> no, that's, that's, this is the th- third iteration of William Stryker. Uh, well, no, just the second. Uh, the other one was actually his father. So this no, is the third the, striker, right? Or this second striker. Th- this is the third striker because we had the one in X2 which was uh, the guy who played Agamemnon and Troy. Oh, just a different actor is what you mean. I got you. I got you. I got you. There's that one. And then there was Stryker in uh, X-Men Origins, which was that same guy, (laughs) but a different actor. And then there was this guy who was also William Stryker, but was a completely new actor yes. who should have been much older comparatively. All right. We have 30 seconds left in mixers. And I got to say the best character in the movie is Quicksilver. We haven't touched on him, but Quicksilver <laughs> shows up and it's the best scene in any X-Men movie thus far. And then he disappears. Yes. He's only there for this one breakout scene. It almost felt like they shot that in post or something like they added his, him to the movie. Uh, but it's neat because he's uh, in comics. He's, Magneto's son and in this he kind of they allude to that uh, and his mother looks at the TV and sees him and goes uh oh that's your father uh, but yeah Quicksilver's speed ability in this movie is super fun Yes, he has one amazing that's... scene where he takes out a bunch of guards all at one time it's really great Yep, and you know we were introduced to him in a in a really fun way as well when he's uh, playing ping pong with himself. Yeah, no, it's super. It's all super fun. I I had to get him in on the mixer section because he's the best. He really is the best character in this movie. Yep. Uh, now on to open bar. Anything you want to say about this movie? You say we it. We didn't Jeff. talk about Boulevard Trask. Yeah, but we're out of time. Okay, that's fine. You can you can say it now. We're an open bar. You can talk about anything you want. Okay, man. Trask was great. Uh, you it know, played by uh, Peter Dinklage. He was awesome. Yeah, really, the really wonderful. Nailed it. Um, honestly, when I first saw this movie, I hated it because I was I was 
pissed off that Kitty Pride had developed a new power. Uh, I was pissed off that Colossus had nothing to do because Colossus is one of my favorites. Um, pissed off that Bobby Drake, you know, and all the people in the future were basically just there to die. Like that storyline meant nothing. Literally meant nothing. Mm. Well, and I will say, at least the way they seemed to be setting up the time travel to work, it seemed like they were responsible for guarding Kitty Pride as she tried to save, as as Wolverine, as she sent Wolverine back in time. Like it seemed like what we were supposed to be. I wish they had. Now this would have been better. Better, better, better in this movie if they had failed the plan at the beginning so that we saw the consequences of failure because it seemed like they were trying to tell us that if he failed, she failed to hold on to her time travel hinky thing that she was doing, sending him back. And she only sends, by the way, his consciousness back in time. So the entire movie, Kitty Pride is holding on to Wolverine's head, sending him back in time, his consciousness. <laughs> and if if he or she ever loses like focus, he has to keep calm and she has to keep focused or the connection starts to slip. Um, so the entire movie, she's holding on to him. But it seemed that they had to fight to die. Every one of them dies in the end, pretty much, except for like two or three. Um, they all die in brutal ways to the to these Sentinels, but they hold them off just long enough for Wolverine to complete his mission in the past. I think that's what we're supposed to believe, but never really does a good job of explaining that uh, if she fails to hold on long enough, that he won't be able to do his thing. Right. Well, it's when he wakes up the 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 timelines like what he did in the past will set and the the timelines will then be kind of thrown apart because it's like they they happen in tandem while she's holding it from what i from what i understand of the yes sort of science that's that's there both both timelines exist as long as she can hold hold the connection yep and so once he's once he's done, once he drowns, basically, um, in the past, because he never, he doesn't, he's not part of the final battle so much. Well, he's he's not part of the final battle after, like, probably three minutes into it. Right. When Magneto punches him full of rebar and then throws him away. And, like, oh, Wolverine's out. We don't have to deal with him anymore. <laughs> he's going to go drown. And then once, you know, he has to hold on underwater long enough for Magneto and and um, Professor X to figure themselves out and for Mystique to figure her stuff out and to have the whole uh, showdown with the president, uh, like after dragging his bunker up through the through the White House. So they figure themselves out just in time for Wolverine to drown and the connection to be broken and the timelines to split apart and reset the future and fix it. Yeah. Basically this entire movie is fixing the sins of last stand because it's giving us a chance to give a sort of a happy ending to all those characters. Uh, We won't talk about Logan right now. Um, (laughs) Sort of a happy ending for all those characters. It's also giving us a chance to reset all the past stuff so that none of the stuff that happened in those other movies has to happen anymore because now we're in a different timeline. Uh, and it also gives us a chance to have the Wolverine we all know and love meet the new first class that we all really liked. I mean, first class is a really, <laughs> really great cast of characters and they do a really good job fleshing them out better. I think than any of the other 
uh, X-Men movies. Uh, yeah. these, I think these two are the strongest so far, honestly. Yeah. I would say that this is definitely the strongest of the, uh, the, the set after first class. Uh, and that, I think that's a credit to Brian Singer coming back. Uh, you know, because Brian Singer is the, the director that cares so much. He's got, he understands the heart of X-Men, you know, mm. he, and he recognizes that you really need to tell one story and that's it. Yeah. Cause that's what all of these others that we were complaining about were doing wrong is that we're trying to tell so many stories at the same time. And with this one, <laughs> you're kind of forced into one story cause you can't really tell any other stories. Yeah. There's, uh, there's a lot going on in this, but it's all feeding into the same story. Now we talked about a lot with first class, how there's a lot of stories going on, but they do a good job of combining them into sort of sets of stories. Well, this was like every story going on was all combined into one set stories. It was one set of story that <laughs> like there there weren't like, they, you know, like we talked about, they combined sort of Beast and uh, Raven stories together. It just, they did, did do a lot of that in this movie where everything is just pushing towards this final fight with uh, Magneto trying to show the world how evil mutants can be. That's literally his plan. Is <laughs> like, I'm going to show you how bad it, you get it if you treat mutants bad by destroying your president and his entire cabinet. And you guys need to leave mutants alone. And there, and of course, Charles and them's point of view is, no, if you do that, you're just proving to the world that they need to hunt us. Right. Um, and I, I liked it. I, I liked, I, one thing we did not talk about in first class and it came back in this movie and I'm glad it did. There's a scene in, in first class where Charles says, you never have to steal again. And Raven yeah. lights up. And there's a sense that Raven from the very beginning has a moral compass about her. She's she's a good character, but she's just been sort of mistreated because she was blue her whole life and never treated treated like she was special. And then um, Magneto comes along, tell her, tells her she's beautiful. She's perfect. She's everything she should be. She doesn't need to hide. And then she kind of goes bad. Um, but I liked in this movie when... Magneto is standing up to her telling her they juxtapose that scene from her as a child with Magneto telling her she's going to have to kill all the humans, basically. And she's like, I just want to kill the one guy who's causing a problem, Trask. And he's like, no, that's not going to be enough. And she's like that. that you would say that that's your that's your whole MO is just kill all the humans. And uh, <laughs> it's just she has she has reason to fight for mutant kind, but she's not. uh she just still doesn't want to hurt anyone she doesn't have to hurt. So she still has that same moral compass she had as a little child. And uh, yep. I thought that was kind of neat that they tied those scenes together. It seems almost like they give her a little bit more agency rather than just having her follow whichever of these two hot guys is, you know, telling her that she's awesome, you know, right. most recently. Well, for it, sure. It's like she has a bit more uh, of her own decision-making to go to happen. And honestly, um, God, what is her name? Jennifer Lawrence uh, did a much better job of acting in this one. Like she, it's like she finally understood. Like, oh crap, this is this is a real thing. Like I need to, I need to put forth a little bit of effort. And you know, she gave us a real performance this time. Yeah, absolutely. And really, I you know we haven't talked about it, but really, the arc of this movie is Professor X in the future tells Professor X in the past that you need to trust your people and you need to have hope that they can make the right decisions. And so he learns that lesson, and by trusting Raven, he prevents her from killing everyone. 
Uh, and then also, I think we're supposed to believe that that's why the Phoenix didn't wreak havoc in the future is because instead of keeping Gene uh, contained, he actually trusted her in the future. Oh, that's a good call. That's a good call. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I, th- I think that's what we're supposed to believe, that he learns his lesson, uh, a lesson that he learned the hard way, the long way around, and then old <laughs> Professor X kind of gave him a hint, like, no, you need to trust your people, and then he didn't make those same mistakes again. Um, and I, I, I like that. I like that, that how it ties so much of the storylines. The, the storyline from First Class, he never learned to trust Raven in that movie. In in um, Last Stand, he never learned to trust Gene, um, and it just it, it's it's been a problem all along. He's been and honestly, he's been treating the women in his life very poorly, and sort of infantilizing them. And then he learned that lesson in this movie. He's just a product of his time. It's just because he's old. Yeah, it was a different time. It was a different time. Yeah. Um, okay, well, yeah. it's time for Top Shelf and Well. What is your Top Shelf moment, Jeff? My Top Shelf moment, like, even though, even though it's, you know, the, 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 the future people were just there to die, had no real purpose, I thought that it was fantastic visually uh, to see the battle with the, the 1973 team kind of juxtaposed and, and, and chopped up interspersed with the battle from the future team. And you could see the future team, uh, was, you know, they're working together. Everybody's using their, their mutant powers together. Uh, you know, storm is charging Bishop up with lightning and, and, you know, blink is throwing portals everywhere and, you know, for Warpath and Colossus to jump through and they use, you know, physics with Colossus and like sending him through, uh, use gravity to to have him fall and like super punch one of the sentinels like it was all really cool stuff to see like we finally get to see the x-men working together just in time for them to all die i totally agree i think it's uh i think it's really really cool um so my top shelf moment is uh it, there's only one in this movie i think i like a lot of was this it movie. the quicksilver scene it's got to be the quicksilver scene Okay. That Quicksilver scene is so much fun. It's like it's out of a different series. Like it's it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Like it has the style and flair of something like a Guardians of the Galaxy. Like I mean, it actually reminds me a lot of that like flute scene from Guardians Two, where uh, the or the 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 arrow scene where Yondu is killing everyone with the arrow. Like it's yep. it it's it's so stylized and like him putting on the music and he he kind of plays against type. Like they could have had some fast. Uh, fast go- punk or something while he did his thing, but because yep. everything slows down for him, he puts on the music and it's like, if I had time in a bottle, yeah. <laughs> like it's just like, whoa, man, <laughs> it's just it was, so good. It was kind of like uh, it's kind of like disintegration by the Cure, or the Clash, sorry, uh, in in Ant Man, the first Ant Man. Okay, when Siri played the wrong music while they were having their fight. Uh, that's funny. I don't remember that. Not the, you don't? I don't, oh, man. I don't. It was real. It was real chill music uh, while they were having a you know knockdown drag out fight in the in the briefcase. That's funny. Uh, there's a there's a really great um, there's a joke in the movie Dirty Work where uh, uh, Chris Farley goes up to it there's a bar fight starting and he's like all right G seven street fighting man and he puts it in the jukebox. 
And then the guy says, you hit F7. And then as everyone's fighting in the bar fight, it goes, if you like pina coladas <laughs> and getting caught. And it's a really, really funny scene. I like it. Correction. It was the cure. Disintegration. Yeah. My bad. In Ant-Man. Okay. Gotcha. gotcha. In Ant-Man. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, yeah. Cool. Okay. And my, what is your well? Uh, what is your low point of this movie? Low point of the movie? I would have to say the the completely, absolutely batshit ridiculous part of Magneto getting onto the Trask train and pulling up the rails from behind it and infusing the Sentinels with this as if this is somehow going to cause him to be able to reprogram them? Yeah, when he starts telling them what to do and stuff, it's really strange. When they're firing their guns where he tells them to, it's really weird. He's pulling these metal pieces apart and and like almost making them like wire, you know, fused into the Sentinels yeah. with his power. But like we've never seen him have that kind of control in in the past. We've also never seen him lift a stadium like the, his powers are off the charts in this movie. Yeah. We've never seen him crazy. Never seen him this co- in control. Um, my man, my well is I really wanted it to be, and I was planning a hundred percent my well to be the, the scene where, uh, Charles goes to talk to Charles and we find out which Charles is in charge, you know? Yeah. But the Charles in charge. <laughs> But <laughs> I, I now I've kind of talked myself into liking it uh, with that whole connection to Gene and the connection to Last Stand and the connection to like him n- needing to learn something from his future self that his past self never learned. Um, I kind of I kind of like it now. I, I hated it. <laughs> I hated it when I saw it. And now I'm thinking about it in a whole different way. And I'm like, mm, that's kind of beautiful. So yeah. and I love the scene. I love seeing both Charles's on screen together and seeing him talk to himself. So you know what? I take it all back. I take it all back. I've I've talked myself into liking the scene. Um, so that scene's really cool. Um, <laughs> you need a you need a new well now. I know. I know. Um, mm, uh, my well is a scene we haven't spoken about yet, and it's the scene where Wolverine gets pulled out of the ocean. Because it like it's trying to be so clever and it just ends up like refuting itself. It's like, oh, that makes sense. Wolverine getting pulled out by Stryker. That's how he gets his animania. Adamantium. God, I'm so bad at that. Uh, is that Stryker pulls him out of the ocean. And then for some reason, Stryker is Mystique instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like what? What's the yeah. what are we supposed to what are, what are we supposed to be excited about there? Because, like, Mystique has nothing to do with Wolverine. Like, she has no reason to care about Wolverine. There's no reason for her to be there. There's no, except for we like Mystique because she's played by Jennifer Lawrence, and we like Wolverine because he's, like, everybody's favorite character. Like, that's the only reason we should care about that scene is because Miss Hunger Games is getting on screen with a huge jacked man. (laughs) He was... He was real ripped for this. Oh, one. he's so ripped. He's so ripped. <laughs> I, I, I love how he different. He looks in the different movies, but in this, they're like uh, Kitty prizes. Plus, you've always kind of looked the same. And like, mm, nope. He gets more mm. and more ripped the older he gets. 
what a what an amazing <laughs> amazing machine he is. Um, okay, so that's my low point because I just don't even understand. Like yeah. I was intrigued in theaters when it happened. I was like, oh, what does that mean? And then I think about yeah. it now, and I'm like, it means nothing because I know they never go back to it. It's just a weird yeah. thing that they did to put the two characters everybody cares about together. Okay. I don't care about that. (laughs) And also don't think about the continuity of Wolverine at all, because this, at this point should be the, like right in the middle of the six years that he spent away from the, the strike team or the striker team. Oh, should it like to when he should be in Alaska with his lady or whatever in Canada? Yeah. Well, this could be like the early parts of that, I guess. I'm like one or two years removed. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, like, you know, we don't know exactly what he's doing through all that. Okay. But yes, uh, I agree with you. It it doesn't line up completely. Um, okay. So what do we want to see from this series going forward? You know, I, I like that they learned that they only need to tell one story at a time. And that's, you know, that it shows that they can, they can improve. Yeah, um, this is some of the best would, storytelling in all of them, I think. Yeah, I, I would like to see some, maybe fewer characters involved. Um, I don't think that they necessarily have the ability again, you know, in in future, um, in future movies in this series to bring in, you know, every character in every timeline or whatever. That's not the that's not the tale. But you know, trim down the the list of characters and make us care more about the ones. Like, I would care more about New Beast if he had had anything to do. So, right. you know, just make us care more about these side characters. Like, we are yeah. we already care about old Charles and Eric. I feel like they put Beast in there just to have Beast in the movie. Uh, he did nothing at all. He, yeah. Just nothing at all. Nothing. And I, I agree with you. I think they learned a lot of their lessons from the previous movies. And this one was really tight. And I think they should keep doing more of this. And, and you know, kind of stop trying to do weird, clever. Sh- just just make a good movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> stop trying to trick me or, like, make me really interested in something that's not going to pay off. You know, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, um, and, and at the end, this had a post credit sequence, which we didn't talk about yet. Um and at the end, it was like a guy standing with four horsemen. I don't know what that means. Uh, en Sabah Nur <laughs> is what the uh, the people were chanting. And that is what Apol- Apocalypse's old name in ancient Egypt was. Yeah, I know. It was a joke. The four horsemen of... I don't know what that means. Um, it was supposed to be a joke. <laughs> no, I you, take no jokes here. You won't, you won't give that to me? Okay. Nope. But other than that, I... Uh, Straight comics knowledge here. <laughs> I want... Uh, yeah, that's bad. I, I, we've said the same basic thing of what we want out of these series all the way through this thing, is just tell one compelling story. And this was a really good, well-done, like, for the most part, having a lot of characters in it without detracting from that main story. And I think they learned yeah. the lesson that, like, stop trying to tell tiny stories. Like, if you just want a character in there to look cool and, and shoot a thing... Just have them show up and shoot a thing, and they did that in this movie. Yeah, and like we Bishop. got our we, Bishop, uh, Iceman, um, Sunspot, Sunspot. They all showed up, shot a thing. Havoc throws something out of his hand instead of his chest. Like we all get this, we get to see all these characters do the things we want them to do, but they don't try to give everyone arcs. They give enough characters arcs to matter, but don't give so many that like it clutters up the movie in a crazy way. Yep. 
All right. Well, I think that's about all for this week's Bingers Assemble, you guys. We will be back next week with Logan. Is Logan next? I think Logan is next. When did Logan come out? I don't know. We'll have to look it up. Logan or Apocalypse is next. Logan came out in 2017. Oh, no. That means Apocalypse is it. Because that came out in 2016. Apocalypse is next. I'm sorry. Uh Uh-oh. Well... (laughs) Sorry, guys. We may we may never do another podcast. Um, yep. <laughs> this, Just end it here. This experiment of Bender's Assemble is over. Because <laughs> we don't get to Logan next. <laughs> yep. We thought we thought Logan would carry us through to Apocalypse, but no, I don't. I don't think it's worth sitting through Apocalypse to get to Logan. I just can't. I can't see it. All right. No, we're, we're, we'll be back with you for Apocalypse. I. I think it's my least favorite of all the X-Men movies. So um, maybe I'll be proven wrong. Sometimes I watch them. I'm like, I was just in a bad mood or something, but I have a feeling I'm going to hate this one a lot. (laughs) I mean, I did, like I said, I did not like this one on first viewing on, and, and this, this past, the second time watching it, I, I liked it a lot more. I was able to, you know, I was, I was able to accept it. Maybe it's just because it's better than the rest of the X-Men movies so far or a lot of the X-Men movies so far, but, you know, we have been watching some crap recently. Yeah, indeed. All right, guys, well, we are all done with Bingers Assemble for the week. We'll be back next week with X-Men Apocalypse, 2016's X-Men Apocalypse. Peace. Bingers Assemble is a part of the Stranded Panda Network. To connect with us, search your favorite social media platform for Bingers Assemble, or go to strandedpanda.com slash bingers. While there, you can find more from your host today and the rest of the Stranded Panda Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.